0: Now, folks, that's heresy. That's not salvation. There's nothing that we need to do to add to the death of Christ. It is Christ and Christ alone. So they must have come in and taught that. And we also know that as a result of their teaching, the false teachers influenced the Corinthians to think differently about Christ. They drew them away from pure devotion to the Savior.
1: There are many churches and denominations teaching that salvation requires more than trust in what Jesus did for us on the cross. His blood was not sufficient, they say. We need to be baptized, or we need to give money, or take part in various sacraments. And that is simply not what the Bible teaches, and it's a serious hindrance to the gospel. This is Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. I'm glad you could join us today. In our last broadcast, Pastor Steve began a new series from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 about hindrances to the gospel. Today is the second part of his first message in the series. The Corinthian church Paul was writing to had several problems. One of them was an improper understanding of God's grace. Here's Pastor Steve to continue our study.
0: And the question we need to ask and answer, one thing to ask a question, but you have to answer it. Why? Why would a whole church flounder in this area. Why would a whole church fail to live a committed life to Christ? Why would that be? And the answer is because they allowed false teachers to undermine their confidence in the sufficiency of Christ's death for them. It's as simple as that. They allowed these teachers to come in there and teach some things that that shook them up as far as their confidence in the grace of God. Now we know, we know that there were false teachers there and they taught a corrupted message. In fact, in chapter 2 of this book, chapter 2, verse 17, remember we studied this where Paul said, last verse of chapter 2, he said, for we are not like many peddling or corrupting the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Those who corrupted the word of God were the false teachers. We don't peddle it. What do you mean by that? These men tried to sell the Corinthians a watered-down message and, and, and gospel message that appealed to their flesh. They watered it down. They didn't teach true salvation. They told them what they wanted to hear. They, they gave them information that tickled their ears, made them feel good. They didn't speak about repentance. They didn't speak about man's depravity. They didn't speak about the sufficiency of Christ in dying for their sins. And the indication from chapter three in which Paul compares the old covenant, which is the message of law with the new covenant, is that they were teaching a a works law gospel. They were saying it's one thing to believe in Jesus, but you must also obey the law. Now, folks, that's heresy. That's not salvation. There's nothing that we need to do to add to the death of Christ. It is Christ and Christ alone. So they must have come in and taught that. And we also know that as a result of their teaching, the false teachers influenced the Corinthians to think differently about Christ. They drew them away from pure devotion to the Savior. How do we know that? Chapter 11. Chapter 11 of this book in which he identifies them as false apostles and messengers of Satan. But he said in in verse two, he said, for I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. I don't want you fooling around with anyone else. I don't I want I want you to be pure and loyal to Jesus Christ. But he says in verse three, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And then he explains, why Why would this take place? For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit than you have received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. What he's saying is you allowed false teachers to come in here and preach a salvation by works. This is not the message we preached. See, and it undermined their confidence in the grace of God. He'll also say later in this book that uh, these men are Jewish. That's where he says, if they're Hebrews and understand, so am I. If they think they have credentials, and let me tell you my credentials. But his point being, as we put it all together, that these were Judaizers. These were legalists. These were Jewish men who said they were apostles and they had the true message of God. And you had to keep the law in order to be saved. And when you, when you think of all of it coming together, you realize that the Corinthians had waned in their love and devotion to Christ because their minds have been drawn away from the simple gospel of salvation and the grace of God. All of that to explain verse one. That's what he's talking about. Listen, how does this truth apply to us? If you and I ever let false teachers and false teaching confuse us about the great truth that Christ's death alone is the basis of our salvation, then you and I will falter in our faith. You're never going to lose that salvation, but you're going to be like the Corinthians. You'll never be passionate for Christ if you don't have a clear understanding of the gospel. That's why it's so important that you you understand biblical truths related to the gospel. This is why we we harp on this and emphasize this. You must understand such issues like repentance. Repentance is not just, well, I'll change my mind repentance is a change of mind that involves a forsaking of sin. You know, Judas changed his mind, but he didn't repent. Repentance is necessary for salvation. We preach that. Listen, most tracts don't even mention that. Most tracts don't even say that. Most gospel presentations don't even talk about repentance. It's important you understand that. It's important you understand man's depravity, that we're totally sinners in every aspect of our lives. Every area of our life has been fallen because of the fall of, of man and our own sinfulness. You need to understand that. You need to understand Christ's lordship. We don't preach just invite Jesus into your heart and that's it. We don't preach that. We preach that true, genuine faith is a repentance from sin and is an embracing of Christ for who he is. He's Savior and Lord. And when we come to him there, we trust him with an attitude of submission to who he is. Yes, there's an obvious growth in that and there, there's a deepening of that commitment as we grow in the Lord, but we, you preach that for salvation. You must understand election. That's not just a, a theology that we want to discuss for the sake of filling our heads with truth. If you don't understand election, then somehow you're going to think your salvation depended on you. You made the first move. You were bright enough to figure it all out. You understand the election and you'll understand the grace of God. You'll understand the mercy of God. You didn't initiate your salvation. You don't keep yourself saved. You don't sustain it. You didn't initiate it. And you're not getting to heaven by anything you did or anything you continue to do. It's all of God's grace. See, folks, these are the truths you need to understand. These are the issues. When you understand that every day of your life will be. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me, because surely there is nothing in me worthy of salvation. That's what Paul is talking about. You'll never be passionate in your zeal for Christ. if You fail to focus on his death as the only means of your salvation. That's the sole basis of it. God's grace, it drives us. The grace of God drives us to be properly motivated for Christ. Any other motivation you have to question, this is the heart of our motivation. Why do we do what we do? It is the love that Christ has for us. And that's exactly what the Corinthians were not doing because they were not clear on the truth about the grace of God. I want you to know there are there are false teachers and voices in our world calling out to you and to me to confuse us, confuse us about the gospel. The Roman Catholic view of salvation will confuse you. It is not what they teach. It is what the Bible teaches. It is not based on on doing any good works and sacraments and any of those things, don't be confused about that. And yet there are evangelicals who, who say that what we believe is what the Roman Catholic Church believes. No, it's not. That's not. That's why there was a reformation, because some saw that, that we have to get back to the simple message of grace saving us. The preaching of baptism, the preaching of baptism as a necessity for salvation taught by many churches, large churches, large popular churches, even in our area. That'll confuse you. And if that confuses you, you'll never have a passion for Christ because you'll never be clear in your thinking on the grace of God because that undermines the grace of God. It's Christ's death alone or not at all. It's alone. Charismatic confusion, prosperity, gospel, all that stuff. What those things will do will just muddy the waters so that you will not be crisp and clear on your understanding of the grace of God. You go off on some tangents on something else. And these are the things that that drive us to have passion for Christ, understanding who he is and what he's done for us. You see, the very clear teaching of Christ, substitutionary death for you, how lost we are without Christ, how depraved we are, how God's grace has rescued us from hell. You grasp that, you'll live for Christ. You'll be like Paul. You'll be like Paul, not like the Corinthians. Your life will be transformed into a life of service for him. You'll live for him with a service for him. You'll be diligent to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not sure about grace yourself, you're not going to be telling others about grace. You're not going to be excited about it. See, a clear understanding of God's grace always leads to greater godliness and service for the master. Let me just show you this from scripture. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 in verse 11 and then 12, Paul says this. And even if you can't find it right away, just just listen to this. For the grace of God has appeared. That is salvation in Christ. It's appeared bringing salvation to all men. And here's what it does. It instructs us, Paul says, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in this present age. There are some people who take the grace of God and make it an excuse for just kind of floating. You don't have to do anything. That is unbiblical. That's heresy. Paul said the grace of God instructs us to be godly. Why would you want to sin against this grace? Why would you want to sin against such love? So, the more you understand that the grace of God and that it's not about you, it's about him from beginning to end. When that takes place, you'll live righteously in this age, but your service will be affected, too. Let's look at First Corinthians chapter 15, the last chapter of his first letter to this church. This is the resurrection chapter. Paul is building on this, but he makes a statement in verse 10 about his own service. He says this. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Sort of sounds like Popeye. I am what I am. By the grace of God, he said, I am what I am. It's a great statement. Paul said, look at me. Everything you see about me, I attribute it to God's grace. And his grace toward me did not prove what? Vain. Just what he said in the Corinthians lives, it was proving in vain. It did not prove vain in me. It wasn't empty. It produced its its, uh, intended results. And what were those results, Paul? but I labored even more than all of them. I worked hard. I served the Lord. The grace of God in me has not been in vain because I have been serving the Lord. That's what the grace of God ought to produce in your life, a life of commitment in service to Christ. And especially your service should focus on telling others about salvation. And that's why Paul in verse two said what he had to say about salvation. Let's look at this. We go back to chapter six. He said, don't receive the grace of God in vain. I appeal to you. You need to receive it in a way that you're living for him and you're serving him. And here's what your service should be like. He said, for he says in verse two, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, what is he talking about here? Well, this is actually a quote from the Old Testament. This is a quote from Isaiah 49, 8, in which God the Father is speaking to the servants of the Lord. We know him as the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and he's promising the Messiah that he will help him in restoring and saving the children of Israel during a very specific time in their history. We call it the period of the return from exile. The Jewish people were dispersed into Babylon, and then after 70 years, the exile ended, and they were allowed to come back. So God says at that time, I will help you in restoring them that specific period of time. Now, Paul is not saying this is the fulfillment of that. He's not using this the Old Testament that way here. He's merely quoting this verse in order to apply just one principle, just one principle to the Corinthian situation. And the principle is this, just as there was a specific period of time in the Old Testament when God was restoring the Jewish people. So today, right now, is the specific time period in history when God is saving people by the very clear message of salvation. That's what he's doing. He's saving people. Those who understand the grace of God need to be active in this time period to diligently tell others about Christ. That's his point. This is the acceptable time. This is the day of salvation. There's never been a period of time like this in which the gospel is so clearly spelled out. In Old Testament times, it was not that clear. It was not that clear. We've gone over this before. It was, it was revealed in pictures and symbols and types. It was somewhat murky in the Old Testament, but now it's very clear. We're sinners. Christ has died for our sins. We, we need to come to him in repentance and faith. It's very clear. This is the time period. Paul's point is that the Corinthians need to be just as zealous as he was in proclaiming the message of salvation. They shouldn't be questioning his zeal. That's ridiculous. They should be moved by Christ's love and grace that they should be actively involved in evangelism just like he was. Same zealous fashion. See, you and I need to understand what God is doing in the world today. You know what he's doing in the world today? There are a lot of Christians involved in a lot of activities, but the the main thing that God is doing today is he's building his church. He's calling out a people from amongst the nations to bring to himself. And you know what? When we tell them about Christ, and that's the only way they'll be saved, God doesn't bypass us. He uses us and his word to bring people to Christ. When we do that, we labor together with him. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Paul is simply telling the Corinthians, get busy, get active, be crisp in your theology of grace and, and therefore tell others, don't hinder the gospel because you don't understand and you haven't personalized it and you're fuzzy on this. Get it straight in your mind. This is the day of salvation. This is the time period when we're busy working. Don't waste this time, folks. This is the time. Don't spend your time doing a lot of other things that are non-essentials. This is what you ought to be doing. So the message of reconciliation is hindered, number one, when God's people fail to appreciate the grace of God. I hope you don't fail to appreciate it. I hope that that you are a people who really appreciate what Christ has done for you and it reflects in your life. Now there's a second way and we'll only touch on this next week or after the week after. We'll uh, we'll get into this further. There's a second way that the message of reconciliation is hindered. Number 1, it's hindered when God's people fail to appreciate the grace of God. Number 2, it's hindered when God's servants discredits the gospel with his life. Verse three, giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. If the Corinthians were in danger of hindering the gospel by a lack of appreciating it so that they didn't tell others what they should have been telling others about Christ, so Paul is stating that he was careful not to hinder the gospel, not because he didn't say it, he said it all the time, but his concern was that his life wouldn't discredit it. His life would not be inconsistent. People wouldn't look at his life and say, if that is what a Christian is, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with Christianity. Paul understood what we should understand today. And I and I know that you do understand this, but I'm going to emphasize this, that people often evaluate the Lord Jesus Christ based on the way you and I behave. Based on the way you and I behave, especially those in the church who lead it. He is evaluated based on our behavior. And sometimes church leaders and God's people are a very poor advertisement for the gospel. Sometimes we are those who bring reproach upon the name of Christ. And that is a tragic thing to do. I remember hearing a pastor one time say that he he visited somebody in prison, and um, while he was there, another man said to him, he said, uh, uh, I'm a Christian too. And so he sat down with this man, he said, well, what are you doing here? I mean, that's a reasonable question to ask, if you're a Christian, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I had all this all these traffic tickets, and I, I didn't pay them. And the pastor said, you know what, do me a favor, and every Christian a favor, don't tell anybody that you're a Christian because you make it rough for all of us. that's true. That's true. Your life will either be a good advertisement for the gospel or a bad advertisement for the gospel. And in that way, we can either hinder the gospel or we can make it effective in terms of people at least evaluating Christ. Paul understood that. We'll look more at this as we'll uh, delve into this in a couple of weeks. But let's uh let's as we bring this to a close let's think about this let's bow before the lord and and evaluate in our hearts what should be our response to this we we never want to study the word of god without responding to it i never want you to just leave here thinking oh that was interesting or maybe leaving here thinking it wasn't interesting i want you to leave here knowing what god expects of you response to the word you've interacted with the word you've had to think today you've had a think through some issues. As a believer, ask yourself, do I appreciate what Christ has done for me? I mean, do I really appreciate it? Have I really grasped the grace of God? Am I living a life that reflects that? Am I telling others? Do I desire to tell others? Am I living for him? Do you have the attitude of Lord any time any place, anything you want me to do. That's how Paul lived. How could you be any different than that if you believe that Jesus died for you? How could you tell him no? How could you put strings attached to your commitments? How can you say, Lord, I'll do anything for you but go to the mission field? Lord, I'll do anything but witness to my family. Lord, I'll do anything but have integrity with my finances. Lord, I'll do anything but... In my marriage, I won't honor you. Lord, I'll do anything, but don't ask me to do this. Don't ask me to humble myself. That's inconsistent. If you understand the grace of God, then you have a zeal and a fanaticism that knows no bounds. This is not the case in your life either. You really don't know Jesus Christ, and you need to know him, or else you need to crystallize the grace of God in your life. Maybe you've been exposed to false teaching. Maybe you've you've kind of flirted in your mind with um, some of these doctrines that I mentioned and false voices out there confusing you. Camp on the grace of God. Now, if you've never received God's grace in Christ, in salvation, then I invite you to do that today. Today can be the day of your salvation. I invite you to do that. The Apostle Paul said God commands men everywhere to repent. And so based on what Paul said, you're commanded to repent, turn from your sin, and turn to Christ for salvation. I'll give you a few moments to meditate on this, pray, get things straight now with the Lord, and then we'll close. Father, I thank you for the grace of God. I thank you that salvation is by grace through faith. And Lord, we know from Ephesians 2 that we who are believers, the elect, we have, um, we have been not only chosen, but we've been created unto good works, which you before ordained that we should walk in them. I pray that we'll live like that. Lord, help us to have a deep appreciation in response to your grace. To say with Paul, the love of Christ constrains us. I pray for that, for each one of us, that there would be a renewed understanding, a renewed appreciation for the salvation we have. I pray, Lord, that you help us to be crisp and clear on on doctrine, not so we can know more than others, but so that we can live in a godly manner. And I pray for those who may not know you. Lord, I pray that you'll draw them to yourself, that they may have their eyes open to see their need for salvation and that they would come. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. I am unceasingly amazed and grateful for God's grace. Without it, I wouldn't have a chance. If you have questions about salvation or would like to speak with someone about your faith, I'll have a phone number for you in just a moment. Verse by Verse is a radio ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. If you'd like to visit Lakeside, Pastor Steve would love to meet you. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. For more details or to talk to someone about your faith, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714 or visit the website lakesidechapel.com. Don't forget about our message archive at firstbyverseradio.org. You can catch up on any of our previous broadcasts. There's also a page that explains how you can give to help fund Verse by Verse. That's versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. As we heard today... If we don't properly appreciate God's grace, we'll get in the way of the good news by not being motivated to share it. On top of that, our lifestyle can provide the excuses people use to reject Christ. Pastor Steve will have more about that on our next Verse by Verse.
0: We're here to give you strength between Sundays.